are listening to Into the Comics Cave with your host, comic book heartthrob, Grant Stoy. Uh, hello, folks. Uh, it's me being bad at intros again, but you're used to that by now. Um, I am joined tonight uh, by someone who I'm really excited to talk to. Uh, you may know him from his work from My Riot, uh, Rick and Morty, and from the eternal teasings of Baz Arcadia. Uh, <laughs> we have Emmett Hobbs with us today. Emmett, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm good, and I'm sorry to rib you about Baz, but every time you post, like, <laughs> even, like a bit of lettering from from this, project, oh yeah, I'm just like I want to see it. It's so aggravating. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a while. It'll be a few years, probably. But that just means that you're working real hard at it, and all of your mind seeds get to come to fruition, right? That's right. So, so Baz, I'm still like in really, really early stages. Like I'm still world building. Oh, really? Um, yeah. But what I've been working right now is that webtoon Royale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you have read any of that. Uh, that was on my list today. I'm catching up with uh, no Brainchild way. by Suzanne Geary. Okay. I haven't read that one. I learned about it the other day. Uh, it's about like a, a, a college student who gets head trauma from a shelf oh. falling on her and like suddenly she's seeing like cool. monsters and stuff oh that is actually kind of a cool premise so it's yeah it's a head injury premise <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but anywho uh <laughs> and i want to know where did you grow up uh in a lot of places so i i haven't actually traveled outside the united states which hopefully will change this year because i got into thought bubble um which is oh, super exciting. Congrats. Yeah, thank you. I don't know how I'm going to get there, but probably, <laughs> I mean, I guess. Um, Hopefully by plane. Yeah, that would be, I think, the preferred method. Uh, but yeah, so like I was sort of raised intermittently between like uh, Michigan and Wisconsin and California. Um, oh, that's right. Wasn't uh, the Petoskey mm -hmm. area one of the... Yeah, that's areas? right. We bonded over that. Yeah, yeah. so I, yeah, at, at some point I lived in Traverse City. Oh, I'm which sorry. is a lovely town. I love it. It's a great place to visit. It is, but... yeah. And it's it's good to live in the summer when the tourists are there because everyone's <laughs> on their best behavior. <laughs> Although I, I guess you then you have to deal with tourist traffic and that does suck too, but you know. Yeah. But uh so you moved around a lot. Where yeah. would you say it was your, your most formative year spent? It's really hard to say because we we kind of did it in like four year blocks. So I spent like elementary school in California. So that of course was, you know, um, formative years, but also then I spent middle and high school kind of in that Michigan area. Okay. And so I, I spent more years in Michigan and I definitely am Midwestern because my parents are super Michiganders. Um, but, but uh, yeah, I definitely still kind of belong on the West coast. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, I miss it a lot. Well, it's understandable, especially when you compare the uh, the winters with mm -hmm. Michigan and California, mm -hmm. because uh, only one of them makes you want to die. <laughs> yeah, those winters are brutal, man. <laughs> I do not miss shoveling snow. Uh, it's it's insane because you could shovel snow in the morning, and then by afternoon, you have to shovel it again. Oh yeah, I mean we would have. Um, shoot yeah like if we turn the car on in the morning and we de-ice it or you know scrape the ice off of it or get the snow off of it like sometimes by the time we left for school we had to do a little bit more <laughs> it's merciless 
Oh, yeah, very unpleasant. Uh, but let's say it's it's winter in Michigan. How are you spending your, your free time, uh, you know, away from the blizzards <laughs> and the lake effect and old ladies behind the wheel of a car? Um, so, I mean, I, I've always just drawn pictures and written stories, and that's all I've, I've ever done, pretty much. Like, as a hobby, that would be my hobby. Um, I was kind of like... I've always been a social person. I'm pretty extroverted, but um, I just had like developed social anxiety during school. And so I kind of just, you know, didn't really try to make friends and didn't really talk to anybody. And I just drew and wrote all the time, like constantly at school, during school, during classes, during church. When I got home, like it was into the hour, late hours of the night and I would get in trouble. Like, yeah, it was constant. Like, did you have notebooks just filled or were you using just mm-hmm. like scrap paper, or whatever you can get your hands on? So I started with notebooks, but I found that I I don't like being confined. It's hard to be confined both to like a specific size of paper and also if there's, you know, lines on it or something like I, I work way better on loose paper um, and I always have. Uh, and instead, what I do is I have like, you know, I have stacks and stacks of papers and I have these like uh, metal sort of brad things that go through them to make a spine. Yeah. Which you've seen for like, it's really popular for screenplays or it used to be when they still printed them out. (laughs) In the before times. Yeah, but it's nice because, um, you know, I can write down whatever I want on this completely non-precious paper that can be easily recycled if I don't like what's on it. And um, then if I want to keep it for some reason, like say I'm doing character, drawings or notes or world building stuff I can just you know put it wherever I want in the stack and put the spine back on it and reorder things as I need to or label and there's just way more flexibility and what kind of art supplies were you using at the time in terms of like uh pens pencils paints anything like that like back in the day yeah yeah so I um I hadn't had any formal art classes until high school besides just you know like I had an art class in middle school but okay. you know, <laughs> we were so middle school was like a really low budget school. They did not have a lot of money, and so their art pr- program was essentially just throwing kids in a room with like you know, a poster <laughs> paints, and <laughs> before our teachers are like trying to make things fascinating and and interesting with with very oh, money. But so I was, I mean, I was using mechanical pencils. Um, I mean, that was a mechanical pencil eraser. At some point, I discovered cardstock, and that was helpful. Uh, at some point, I discovered like uh, alcohol-based markers, so like Copic markers. Oh yeah, playing with those. Um, I played with watercolor. At some point, I played with like airbrushing. Like I just went all over the place, and I got my first graphics tablet. I think maybe I was in like ninth or tenth grade. So it's still pretty early for that kind of technology. It was like uh, you know a foot wide, and it cost dollars. <laughs> my dad bought it from the Apple Store. <laughs> Because uh, he was going to use it, and my sister was in a, really into graphic design, so maybe he got it for her. But I ended up getting a hold of it and figured out Photoshop. Um, yeah. Oh, that's wild. Yeah, I'm like, a go better. <laughs> what kind of uh, like uh, media were you into when you were younger? Like, what kind of where did you draw inspiration from? Yeah, so I started drawing comics because. Um, like I, I'd always read comics in the Sunday paper. 
-hmm. And that was something that is like very fond nostalgia from my childhood is like Sunday paper, especially because you had more comics. And I want to say that in the area we were in, like there was one that only printed on Sundays. It was like Garfield or something only printed on Sundays. It's so it's really <laughs> excited about Sunday. Um, but yeah, I didn't have like any comic book people in my family. Um, I actually had a really limited media intake when I was a kid because my um, parents at the time were pretty conservative right um christian and it was all you know neck deep in satanic panic stuff so um at the time y'all were getting into like pokemon and um you know harry potter came later but yeah i mean like i wasn't allowed to watch that so raven on disney channel because it was about a, a psychic like it was that level of of um throttle yeah <laughs> oh dude i totally understand where you're coming from it's like oh. the, the michigan midwest satanic panic <laughs> was no joke and i don't think people nuts. understand yeah i don't i don't know if, if you've looked into or remember some of the details of satanic panic stuff but it's bonkers there's a great american hysteria episode on it that's super easy to digest they didn't pay me to say that i just <laughs> shameless plug no big deal yeah. i'm not affiliated at all but with those kind of restrictions, uh, was it just Sunday comics that you were able to get your hands on? Or were you allowed to read, like, probably not Harry Potter or anything like that? No. Yeah, for the most part. It's weird, because for the most part, I could read whatever book I wanted, unless my mom had heard about it. Um, and this is like painting my mom as being an awful mom. She's a great mom. She was fine. It was just like this, you know, this was just what people at the time were doing um, and what was... Yeah seen in her circles as good parenting and so of course she was going to do it so i don't blame her for it it's fine but um yeah like you know i read lots of books with magic in them and that was fine but you know harry potter was not okay um series of unfortunate events was another one that was really popular oh yeah and i was little that i wasn't allowed to read which sucks because they're great books mm -hmm. and they're great for depressed kids <laughs> <laughs> like it's just, it allows them to like stew, I think. But, oh, yeah. but there's also, you know, this fighting spirit in the books that you have to keep going, even though things are awful and they might always be awful. You just figure out how to cope. And no adults believe you ever at yeah. that point. Yeah, that was huge too. And I, I, would be, I wouldn't be surprised if like so much of this stuff was fueled by adults just wanting children to behave. Because I mean, Harry Potter is a very fuck adults kind of mm -hmm. story and... So a series of unfortunate events, yeah, for sure. But yeah, so I didn't have a ton of media growing up. I, I mean, we could watch like PBS Kids, um, some stuff on Nickelodeon. Most of Disney Channel was fine. Disney movies, of course. Um, yeah, so I actually missed out on a lot of stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm constantly playing catch up. I'm watching Seinfeld right now for the first time. <laughs> And it's great. I'm like, oh, cool. Now I understand like 80% of the jokes in American culture. <laughs> awful that's on the, uh, that's something i really want more people to understand is how difficult it was to like be a creative person and be fueled during that time because it's like yeah. you said the parents there's no malicious intent behind it they were just mm -hmm. doing what they thought was best but that's really handcuffing a lot of uh <laughs> formative creative experiences yeah i don't know how actually all of us kids got into media careers um maybe that was <laughs> <laughs> related we're like starting to it yeah we're all in creative fields i have to do with media in some way 
<laughs> if you had read Harry Potter, you'd be an accountant right now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it could have been normal. <laughs> uh, this is where I point out that this is not a visual medium. So you have to, so listener, believe me when I say Emma just took a slug from a water container it's about as, as big as his head. <laughs> I looked at a water bottle at Kroger the other day that was, I think it was a gallon of water. It was like a gallon bucket essentially but it was a little sport top on it it, was, it looked like a little nipple it was awful but my eyes got so big i was like i would only have to fill this once and that would be all my water for the day oh you don't have to go awesome. back and forth that's why i have the giant cup it's <laughs> there's a reason for it the reason is i have adhd oh it happens to the best of us <laughs> truly so you are you're getting older uh, <laughs> so we're recounting your entire childhood. Uh, <laughs> at what point do you think to yourself, you know what, self? I want to give uh, making art for money a shot. I can't remember, like, what what was that trigger? I mean, my um, my mom and dad were both, like, very career-oriented. Like, they wanted us kids to find something that we were passionate in. Um, you know, they come from that generation where they gave up their dreams to have a family and do what they were supposed to do. Mm -hmm. um, and so they didn't want that for us. They wanted us to pursue our dreams. And it just helps that all of us kids are really talented and, <laughs> you know, decently smart in some ways. Um, but, but yeah, it just was kind of expected, I guess, that I would just do this professionally growing up. Um, and I got my first paid gig like major paid gig for a company when I was like 17. Oh, wow. I think. Yeah. And they didn't know how old I was. So I had to like figure out how to get them to pay me because I didn't have a bank account. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, is this legal? I, they didn't have a contract though. It was like super sketchy. They only paid me like 200 bucks for these illustrations. It was for like a, um, like a waste company in the UK, like a garbage company. Yes. They wanted some of that like flat art infographic stuff about the process of what they do with your trash. With they... <laughs> I was like, I don't, there's only so many ways to get trash and throw it away. And I don't, I feel like customers don't really want to think about where their trash goes. Oh, they yeah. just want to know that you're going to take it. <laughs> so when do you start leaning more towards uh, like digital art than traditional? So that was about high school um, when I had that graphics tablet. And that came about because, gosh, how was, okay, I'm trying to like, like trace work backwards. Figure <laughs> out. Um, but I was on like, you know, uh, DeviantArt, like art communities online, and you just, you know, get exposed to people working with different tools. And I saw with digital art, um, I guess what was exciting to me about it was that, you know, you could erase as much as you want. <laughs> um, and I was developing my skills and I was using all this paper and it was just, becoming a mess to try to sort everything. And my dad never wanted me to throw anything away, mm. uh, which is so sweet. I'm not complaining. It's so sweet. But um, yeah, I, I just was exposed to digital art. So I got a, a tablet and dabbled in, it was Photoshop first. And now I try to use as little Adobe products as possible because they're just so frustrating. I've never used a software product that is so even like the UI and the program itself is clunky. You know, it's not even 
but then you get into creative cloud and like all of this stuff it's a huge headache so i use clip studio paint now okay good because like adobe is loaded but it's at least <laughs> it's cheaper and nice to me adobe defies its customers to like not be put off by the the prices and how like oppressive the 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 format is for using the software mm -hmm. yeah and that's a bitch to cancel too <laughs> is it really yeah they have all these like little you know speed bumps in place to try to trick you into staying yeah if you try to cancel it they'll give you like a 20 percent off thing or something so you know you take advantage of that if you have creative cloud i don't know how many times they'll give it to you but i did get that and it did keep me around for another another month <laughs> so I'm, I'm curious when was your first like comic work so i mean i was drawing comic strips since i was really little like since i could read you know six seven eight years old um i got into like manga stuff in middle school so that's kind of where i started doing more narrative oriented like long form all of it terrible of course because i was a child that like watched one show um, <laughs> somehow i was able to like watch one piece which was the first anime that i ever watched and it's kind of the only one that i i'm not super caught up on it so i don't want anyone to talk to me about it but um <laughs> But I was really into it at the time. Like I watched it after school and then, which was the reruns were after school and then Saturday night at 10.30, it was on Toonami after Naruto. Oh yeah. <laughs> so sometimes I watch Naruto because I would get there early and wait. <laughs> um, but yeah, I didn't have a lot of influences. And so, I mean, my stuff sucked. Every middle school's art is, you know, it's, uh, well, it's a good stage, you know, it's not bad art. It's just, um, you know, it's not made to try to communicate something to other people. It's just, you know, sort of therapeutic, I guess. Yeah. So yeah, and then uh, what, what was your question? <laughs> oh, com making comics. Uh, yeah, I mean, I had a web comic in high school that as soon as it started getting popular, I shut down the website and deleted it. As one does. It was a good idea. <laughs> and yeah, and then I went to SCAD. I got to, I went to college for comics and I have a degree in drawing comic books. I mean, <laughs> that's really cool. You say that so like casually, but that well, is I think it's cool. I mean, for one, you know, 75% of the industry went to SCAD because they're one of like two schools that actually give any kind of certification for it. Um, and it's a it's a good program. I, I mean, I, I will not endorse the school, though. That's all I'll say. Yeah, reading <laughs> about like all the behind the scenes stuff, it just makes it seem like a very stressful environment. It yeah, it was. Yeah, like, I mean, I, I can't even believe some of the stuff that we were like the mindset. It was very hustle grind kind of culture. Like if you don't milk every single opportunity that comes your way, you're never going to get a job. And it's not necessarily that anyone said that directly to us, but you have a bunch of like neurodivergent 18 year olds <laughs> in an institution who are way out of their comfort zones already and like panicked um, and really want to do this thing professionally and are scared of screwing it up. And, you know, there was just no resources to handle that kind of stuff. And so the professors would be like, you know, they can't deal with that one-on-one, -on -one, um, but the school did nothing for it. So yeah, there's a, there's a huge mental health problem there. Uh, they did recently beef up their 
sort of like psychiatry on campus ther therapy resources. Oh, that's great. It's still not perfect. Um, and it was in response to like legal pressure, as far as I understand. I don't know. I don't <laughs> It's messy over there. Yeah. <laughs> I still visit. I mean, I have professor friends there and I like the students. They're always great. Um, yeah, I've just, I have complicated feelings about SCAD. And That's it's totally understandable. Yeah. yeah. So when was your first like big comics gig? So that was my riot actually. Really? Uh, yeah, which came out in 2020, I think. Yeah, that was like October 2020 is when that came out. But I actually signed the contract for it my senior year at SCAD. And I mean, it was my first book. And so they, of course, did not pay very much. Um, and I didn't get any of my advance up front, you know, because again, new book. Also, I was unagented. And so I was just like, give it to me, like sign the contract right away. Mm -hmm. um, and that's with Oni Press. And they, you know, they've taken really good care of me. But uh, it just took a long time to do because I had to have a part-time job. Um, and I was like going through some stuff too, like you know, mental health, you know, post-graduation stuff. It was really, really rough. So I didn't work on it, you know, hardly at all for three years. Um, and then I think the last year I was just like, I have to get it done. And I think I inked it like all in a few months or something like that. Isn't it like it's 180 some pages, isn't it? Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, I gave myself a for the for the concert scenes at least, um, which you know once you get towards the end of the book, it's a lot of concert scenes. Mm -hmm. Anything with the band, I gave myself like an hour to to ink the page, one to save time, but also like I wanted to keep it loose, you know, because um, if you give yourself too much time, I'll just I'll just sit there forever and noodle and noodle. But it's really. Um, it's really subtle in the book, I think. Although people say that they like the energy in the in the band scenes, which is really cool. Um, I know I shouldn't be reading reviews, but I do. <laughs> I think that's like the motto for all artistic adventures. <laughs> yes. I shouldn't read. <laughs> Don't read. The I know comments. I shouldn't, but I do. I needed to know. It was my first book. I needed to know if everyone hated me or if I was doing okay. <laughs> um, but yeah. So I, throughout the book, there's like style changes subtly. Um, you know, when we start out the book, the the work is kind of shaky. And I mean, part of that was that I was just using a new tool. I wasn't super used to brush, but it worked because she's like, you know, the main character Val uh, is, you know, unsure of herself. And so that kind of works, you know, the shaky hand and it's kind of clunky. And when we get into concert scenes um, where she's, you know, watching the boy that she likes in his band, and then eventually she starts a band with her friend and they're up there all the time. Um, you know, I get really loose with stuff and try to, I tried to like ink on smaller paper and just keep stuff, um, yeah, with a lot of energy in it. And then towards the end of the book, things really tighten up and you'll see their last show that they play together at this huge like summer event thing is like really, really tight line work, like more what you would expect from a comic book, I guess. And did you go right from uh my right to doing rick and morty stuff because oni owns mm -hmm. uh the the rights to yeah. rick and morty. so while i was working on the book they threw me some bones and let me do some variant covers for rick and morty which was just oh my god i screamed like the first time i got the email because my editor on my riot was the editor for the rick and morty series at the time oh that's great yeah and she saw me post some fan art on twitter and she was like i had no idea um do you want to do a cover and i like screamed and ran around the apartment it's a it's a great cover. That first one that I did is one of my favorite things I've ever drawn. 
Um, and there's some other, there's a couple ones that I still really like and some that I'm not proud of, but I think I've done like five maybe. Um, but yeah, then after my riot was done, uh, Sarah Stern, who is the colorist for Rick and Morty Ever After, the short that we did or the one shot, mm-hmm. um, she contacted me because they wanted to do like a Rick and Morty sort of grim fairy tale style book uh, that Sam Maggs, who is a, a video game writer and other writers, she's amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But she, uh, you know, she wrote this really cute book or had a pitch for it. And uh, Sarah and I traded off drawing and she colored the whole thing. And that was that was just a blast. Like, um, yeah, I definitely spent way too much time on the pages <laughs> trying to figure out because it's totally different than my riot. I mean, you know, my riot's like crunchy black, messy stuff, and Rick and Morty is like, you know, crisp. I wanted like a digital line, so I did everything on the tablet and um, like my iPad is what I use now for most stuff. Huh. Did you feel with Rick and Morty that you had to adhere more to like a house style or were you more free to just kind of like do your thing? Yeah. So for the Rick and Morty one shots, uh, so they have the, you know, the main series, which, you know, actually I say that I think it's still running. Someone's going to yell at me that I don't know. (laughs) But they do, you know, these, so that, that has kind of like a, a specific style. They hire the same artist for the most part, sometimes they mix it up, but you know, they have a regular crew on that one. And then for the one shots, they'll bring in other artists and they have way more creative freedom with stuff. Like there was a Mr. Nimbus one that uh, I don't know if it's all out or if it's still coming out by now. But um, yeah, that one has like really psychedelic art. That's just like looking at a um, shoot. I can't remember the artist's name. But yeah, it, like looking at um, a seeing eye painting. What were those called? Magic eye? Oh, uh, uh, Hidden Eye? Hidden Eye. Yeah, I think. It's either magic eye or hidden eye. But yeah, it's just like there's so much going on in some of those panels. It's just beautiful. Um, I know they've got Ryan Lee on something for Rick and Morty, and his art is just crazy. Yeah. Yeah, they have a lot of fun. That's <laughs> so when did you decide that you wanted to do webcomics again? Hmm. Yeah, so part of it was nostalgia. I was like, I've done a webcomic before, and that was, like, nice, you know, because you get instant feedback from people mm-hmm. that you don't get with a book. I mean, I put out my riot, and I had to wait a couple weeks or whatever until reviews started coming in. And even then, it's, you know, sort of this condensed, um, you know, articulate kind of conclusion that they have come to after reading the whole book and digesting it mm-hmm. versus comments on a webcomic, which is like, LOL and OMG, I can't believe that this happened. <laughs> Screaming. People get really excited. So I had, I was kind of curious about that, or I, I want, I kind of missed it, I guess. Um, and Justin Jordan, who is um, an excellent writer and a friend, uh, was doing Urban Animal, which is mm-hmm. a webtoon, which is really good. And I just asked him what that process was like, because he's coming over from like, you know, doing action books, like pulp, you know, uh, direct market issues, like, you yeah. know, going from that to Webtoon, I was like, that's an amazing jump. Uh, I have to know like what that experience was like. And so he told me, I mean, they're, uh, so Webtoon kind of works like they have this section called Canvas, which is all do it yourself on your own schedule, do whatever you want kind of thing, but you do it for free. And at some point, you know, if you hit a threshold, I think you can start to get ad revenue. 
Okay. But you know, it's negligible. Um, but then they have Webtoon Originals, which are more of a formal publishing style where you, you know, they have a, a pitch, you know, they approve the pitch, you get a contract and you're beholden to a schedule and you get an advance and all that stuff. So um, that's what I went with was originals. So we pitched and it got greenlit. Uh, I mean, I, I'm always trying new stuff. I get bored really easily. And so I was also really intrigued by the format because it's, um, you know, super long. There's no pages. Yeah. It's a totally vertical scroll, which is completely different storytelling rules from pages like to the point where I hadn't drawn pages in a while it had been like a few months and I tried to do it and my brain couldn't get back to it yeah it's got to be weird I I read uh Urban Animal and mm -hmm. just seeing how like the timing is just so much weirder when it's just going down and stuff I can't mm -hmm. imagine trying to make that adjustment as both the writer and artist yeah <laughs> one of those I mean the nice thing is that because I'm writing and drawing I have more flexibility with those things. So like I'll sometimes write something in the script that doesn't end up working in thumbs. And so I can, um, yeah, get rid of it or, or change it or whatever. But yeah. And then if I also don't want to draw something that I've written, I <laughs> cut it out or I do something else. I've been doing that a lot lately. I'm like, ah, oh, shoot, I don't want to draw like this establishing shot. Okay. Like I'll just, they're not going to be at a diner. They're going to be, at the park <laughs> all grass. it's nice being the head honcho yes too much power hello there my name is don cardenas and i'm here to invite you to check out my podcast the 2021 grantee award-winning comics coffee medal where i interview creatives in around and about the worlds of you guessed it comics coffee and metal I've already had such amazing guests on my show, including, but not limited to, Liana Kangas, Mike Norton, John O'Diener, Michael Conrad, Sophie Campbell, Guitar Max Carlisle, Andrew Baina, and of course, the word bros themselves, Bob and Kevin. Comics Coffee Metal is available on all the major podcast services, and you can find it directly at comicscoffeemetal.com. I hope to see you there, and now I return you to Into the Comics Cave with the amazing, awesome, talented, um... Tall, handsome, uh, what else did I say? Definitely over six feet tall, smells good like lavender and motorcycle grease. Is that right? Motorcycle grease? Alright. Grant Stoy. There, I said it. Get my money now. Well, this makes for a good uh, transition uh, because I have an either or question for you. Cool. So. You have this preference. You have to choose one. Huh. The first option is for one month, if you sneeze, you turn into a giant kaiju type monster. Okay. And that comes with the whole like, mm -hmm. you're going to crush stuff. You'll probably yeah, regurgitate something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or every song you hear uh, for three years is sung by the cure. <laughs> Wow. I mean, I think I'd take being a kaiju. Really? You get a clean slate. You can start over somewhere else. <laughs> but, like, to get there, you have to traverse, and you might lay waste <laughs> to a town. <laughs> or or cause, like... a cult. Like, you're not thinking creatively here. 
Sorry, I'm thinking with my heart instead of my head. This is true. <laughs> There's money to be made. <laughs> so if you yeah. were going to turn into a kaiju, what like what kind would you be? Would you be reptilian or mammalian or a robot? Definitely reptilian. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to be a giant lizard or some kind of fish creature. That would be easy because then you can just go to the bottom of the ocean, you know. <laughs> so what you're saying is you want to be a kaiju fish just so you can relax. Yes. What's so that? everyone would leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I've been watching like documentaries about deep ocean. I have ocean on the brain. Oh, man. Those learning more about the ocean is so trippy because it's still huge, vast, and unexplored. And humanity's uh -huh. okay with not knowing. I know, yeah, we're like, you just, <laughs> you can stay there, do your thing, <laughs> ocean. Oh my gosh. That, yeah, it's like um, as scary as space, but it's right fucking here. Like, yeah. I can go to the ocean, and something will kill, can kill me. I love the ocean, though. I, I grew up near the ocean. Um, it's terrifying, and it reminds me of, uh, do you remember a couple years ago, when off the coast of Japan, a frill shark came up from like the depths to die along the beach and people are like we thought this was extinct no i didn't see that oh wow. my gosh you have to look up japanese frill shark okay it's the wildest stuff and just this shit like that in the yep. ocean that no one <laughs> wants to be mm -hmm. like maybe we should raise a couple billion and check this out yeah yeah it's terrifying and you want to be lord of it all <laughs> yes <laughs> now, let's put this caveat on top of that. Uh, <laughs> so you can have it either when the month is up, you instantly turn back to normal. Uh -huh. Or if you sneeze again, you instantly turn back to normal. Oh. I don't know. I don't want to go back to normal. I just want to be a big <laughs> fish in the bottom of the ocean. I just imagine, like, you sneeze, you're a giant fish monster, and you're like, done. No notes. Yeah, cool. <laughs> Someone <laughs> quick, make me sneeze. <laughs> I want to be a fish. Now, also to think about is, are you sneezing, like, you transform while you're sneezing? Or do you sneeze mm. and then poof? I don't know. I didn't come up with the magic. <laughs> well, not, we're workshopping it right now. We're, we're, we're world building this right now. <laughs> um, let's see. I think what would read the best in like a in a visual way would be sneeze and then and as fast as the sneeze happened, that's when I would turn into the kaiju. Like, think just instant, like my house would be leveled. <laughs> Everyone I love would be dead. I would have crushed them. And that would make it really easy to go to the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> now is that Emmett writer or Emmett artist speaking just then? <laughs> What's easiest? Both. <laughs> I respect it. Thanks. Also, three years is a lot of cure. I don't think anyone can take that. Yeah. And I have already like an issue with auditory stuff, like repetitive things. I would go absolutely bonkers. Would it matter? Would, would it matter if it was the cure or, <laughs> or if it was the Smiths or even if it was just Morrissey? No, just like any, if you said any, anybody. Oh, okay. Yeah, or any kind of song being played over and over, like that would, I would go batty. Then I'd end up really... killing people anyway, and so I'd rather be a big fish if I was going to do that. 
I like that. That is very good. <laughs> so, Emmett, uh, I regret to say that we are at the point where I'm going to ask you five questions uh, <laughs> designed around James Lipton's Inside the Actors Studio. All right. I've got no clue what that is. I'm not an actor. <laughs> that, no, that's great. <laughs> Educate me. <laughs> so, number one. Uh, and I'm curious because you do writing and art. Mm -hmm. So what is your favorite sequential sound effect? Oh, that's fun. Um, oh, it's hard. I love anything with a cut at the beginning of it, a kablam, a kachunk. I think that's just, it's so, it's so retro. Uh, it's just been there forever. I think it's kind of goofy and, and that's fun. Um, I use talk a lot, T-O-K. Okay. Well, and I think that's, I'll... I'll use that for like knocking or um, some kinds of footsteps. Uh, yeah, it's just a good, a good little sound. Yeah. Now, do you, do you do that via like lettering tools or do you just draw something like that right in there? Uh, I hand do sound effects because my art style is so organic. Like I always, I don't use rulers and stuff. Um, even in Rick and Morty, when I was trying to keep everything clean, I didn't use ruler tools. I, you know, everything was kind of shaky um, to try to mimic the style of the show. But um, uh, yeah, so it it can be hard to use like vector lettering tools and fonts with my work. It just doesn't look right. It tends to draw attention to itself because it's really crisp. And so I just tend to hand draw things. And um, I mean, I don't, I don't use a ton of sound, sound effects anyway. Uh, we do in Royale, but I mean, those are, that's not great lettering work on my part. I just <laughs> try to get it done. <laughs> Sometimes they're nice and put a little extra elbow grease into it. But for the most part, pretty low maintenance part of the process for me. All right. And uh, number two, what is something you love about sequential art? Oh, my God. I love how much agency the reader has when they're doing it because when you're, you know, it gives as much information as a movie for the most part, mm -hmm. um, but the reader is able to digest everything at their own pace. You know, with a movie, everything is going to be timed out exactly. You can only watch a scene for a certain amount of time before it's done. You know, that's kind of the nature of movies. Um, but with a, a book, you know, someone can sit there and pour over the details or, they can flip through it really quick and you know that's going to give so many more interpretations of the work and more opportunities for people to connect with it emotionally based on you know what they're getting attached to in the book um whether that's an artistic thing or writing or whatever but but yeah um it just like allows people to be creative but i think that there's you can put more information in a comic per pixel or per page than you can in a novel um you know they say pictures worth a thousand words because images are <laughs> can have a lot of emotional power but, but yeah yeah so uh on the other side of the coin uh number three is what is something you dislike about sequential art <laughs> like the art form specifically so we're not talking industry stuff <laughs> need to clarify uh we've been leaving it up to uh the interviewee's discretion as okay. to what they list yeah i mean the, the comic industry in general is kind of hard to deal with 
Um, I, I stay as cheery as possible. I think that I just try to keep my head down and, and draw my comics and only deal with it when I have to. Mm-hmm. But as far as the art form itself, I think, um, I mean, thumbnailing is really, comics is really hard. Like, it's really hard to draw a comic. And it takes a lot of time, and it's super unappreciated. But, um, yeah, I think that's just, it's just hard. It's really hard, you know, hour and then hours per dollars. And is uh, it's just an incredible amount of energy. Mm-hmm. Oh, I totally buy that. Uh, I tried drawing two pages, and then I was like, <laughs> "This is quite enough, thank you." It's hard. <laughs> uh, number four, what is your favorite curse word that's not actually a curse word? What? Um, I don't know. I just curse a lot. Uh... <laughs> I, I have some like Midwestern expletives that I use, like, uh, I, or else they're not exclusively Midwestern, but I would grab them from Michigan, like shoot, saying shoot, like, ah, oh, shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, geez, like, ah, oh, geez. That's very Midwestern. <laughs> Do you ever find yourself dropping an ope? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. For sure. The most ubiquitous Michigan phrase. Yep, I type ope. Like, Twitter, <laughs> it's part of my vocabulary to the point where I would not have considered it any sort of expletive, but it is. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, um, I got some bad news for you. Oh, no. You were recently shopping at Meyer, uh, and you were trying to find some hand tissues like the the kind of lotion in them okay and while you're in this aisle this person this very worried looking person is also looking at the tissues mm-hmm. and they sneeze and the last thing you remember is a giant reptilian foot coming at you <laughs> and you get squashed and you're dead oh, i'm no. sorry <laughs> that's too bad that's too <laughs> bad but you go to what we perceive as heaven Okay. And you get there, and there's this short little gray-haired man chomping on a cigar, sitting at a drafting table, mm-hmm. wearing a wife beater, and mumbling something about Nazis and how he hates them. <laughs> it's Jacob Kurtzberg, a.k.a. Jack Kirby, oh my the God. king of American comics. What do you hope Jack Kirby says to you? Oh, God. <laughs> Oh my god, I'm gonna like cry. <laughs> um, I think if he says it's pretty good work, kid, or something along those lines, like I would just absolutely dissolve. <laughs> just yeah. something nice and complimentary. Yeah, but it's got to end in like pal, sport, kiddo. Oh yeah, <laughs> I don't think he'd say you. <laughs> like I don't think he'd be capable of ending a sentence without like some kind yeah. of little complimentary <laughs> adjective. <laughs> Yeah, that would be great. Again, this is there's no video on this right now, but I'm beat red. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Evan, it was so awesome to have you on. Uh, where can folks find you on the socials? Uh, so I'm on Twitter decently at Emmett Comics, and that's E M M E T T C O M I X. Same handle for Instagram. Of course, you can read the webtoon. It's called Royale. It's a it's a heist 
it's very queer uh there's supernatural stuff in it it's super fun it's set in this like vague 60s 70s alternate history universe thing uh that i'm just going buck wild with it's so fun um a lot of people say it's underrated so <laughs> go read it uh yeah and that that's on the webtoon app and on the desktop as well so i think that's those are the big ones i'm technically on tiktok but i don't put anything there it's just parked don't go to my tiktok <laughs> yeah, what 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 can one do on tiktok if it's not watching tiktoks <laughs> you can post uh you know like process videos little daily life snippet things um i'm doing a little bit of that on instagram posting reels of just whatever i'm doing um trying to you know make it useful in some way so it's either funny or there's something related to self-care or or art stuff um trying to get more into video stuff but i just i hate being on camera so it's it's difficult <laughs> understandable <laughs> well dude thank you so much we appreciate your time yeah this was great thank you so much this has been a Comic Book Yeti production. You can find new episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and anywhere podcasts stream. For more information on the Comic Book Yeti, please visit comicbookyeti.com. And for more of Grant, visit grantstoy.com or on Twitter at Grant and Stuff.